Welcome to the Keys of the Kingdom with Brother Gregory of His Holy Church. Well, welcome to Keys of the Kingdom. I'm Brother Gregory, and again, we're going to be talking about the Kingdom of God. And uh, we were in a uh, episode that where I started talking about Cloward and Piven, but it's really about the stages of tyranny, the stages of destruction. You know, how do you get to be a valley of bones, uh, uh, dry bones, and then how do you come back out of that? Somebody was, you know. Uh, Talking about, wasn't it great to have a president who uh, was fighting human trafficking? Meanwhile, everybody in the world is back in the bondage of Egypt. Everybody is a slave in the country in which they live. Almost everybody. It's not really true. There are a few places and pockets where people are not actually slaves. But they're pretty much hiding out and they're, uh, they're ostracized from society. And in almost every country, unless you give up 20, 30, 40, 50% of your labor every year to the government, to men who exercise authority one over the other, not just, not just being taxed because of an excise tax or a direct tax, but actually a portion of your labor so that, you know, I mean, in the bondage of Egypt, 20% of the labor had to go to the pharaoh. 20% of your yearly labor, 20% of the days of the 360-day year or 65-day year, I, I can't remember what their calendar was at this moment, but uh, basically 20% of every year the labor that you gave was going to the government. It was a core V system of statutory bondage set up because the people went into bondage because they had thrown their own brother into bondage and because there was a famine coming and they were ill-prepared to stand and fight and survive uh, the elements of the world that were going to cause their death. I mean, life gets difficult. And uh, they had no means to protect themselves. They were completely unready. I just saw a video just moments before the show where they were showing that somebody, I think it was in Pennsylvania or someplace, where somebody was yelling at their neighbor about shoveling snow and they were cussing at him and saying such and such you and all this kind of stuff. And uh, he went in his house, he got a pistol, he came out and he shot his neighbors. Shot him in the street. The woman fell on the street. She was still t- sitting there trying to get up or go. He, he he chased after the husband who ran to the house, and he got shot. At first, when the guy started shooting, they, they just stood there. They just d- didn't even move. They didn't even duck. And then finally, when they realized, you know, he'd already shot half the bullets in his gun, and then they started realizing they were getting shot at, and then they tried to run, and it was too late. He got close enough then, he started hitting them. And then some kids came out, supposedly, to try to help, but uh, both parents were shot. Uh, the father, I guess, was already dead. Husband was already dead. And uh, the mother was still in the, sitting up in the, in the street, and the guy came back out with a rifle, and he put a bullet in her head. And then he walked over and put another bullet or two in the husband, and then he walked back to the house. And then, of course, as usual, as we explain how this works, is he killed himself. Now, people will be yelling, oh, it's because he owned a gun, because people have guns. Uh, no, it's not because people have guns. You're not going to get rid of all the guns. There'll be somebody to have a gun somewhere. And if they didn't have a gun, he would have come out there with a hammer or, you know, you know, a club or a baseball bat. I mean, more, you'd be surprised how many people are killed with baseball bats every year. 
because it's still, you know, it's handy, it's a weapon, it's around. What killed him was the spirit of evil dwelling in that man. And it was also in the people who were yelling and cussing and swearing at him. And it was evil fighting evil, and evil doesn't mind that. I mean, hell is full of battles. It has battles all the time. It's all about force. It's all about control. It's all about your life for my life. You know, and what killed those people, if you want to blame it on something, is socialism. Because America has been a socialist nation for a lot of years. A hundred years. We've been moving steadily more and more towards socialism. We certainly were by 1933. Vastly socialist. By 1933, we had entered into the same agreement that uh, the Israelites entered into with Pharaoh. That a portion of their labor would now belong to the government. And, uh, unfortunately for us, Joseph didn't make the deal. Joseph put a ceiling limit on it. No more than 20% of your labor could be taken away from you. Of course, through crafts of state, they started putting 20% labor on you if you had a child. If you had a child, you had to give 20% labor. Your wife had to give 20% labor. And now you had to give another 20% labor for your child. If you registered your child, because your child, you know, actually they didn't necessarily do 20%, but they increased it because you had a child. Because now that child would take a portion of any benefit that came from the government. You know, it's, you know, like child care and child, uh, well, like WIC programs and all that stuff. And so the taxes went up because there was another child there. It was a graduated income tax in Egypt. Very complex taxing system. They did the same thing in Rome. The tax system in Rome was so complex, they still haven't figured it all out. Of course, some people don't think they figured the IRS tax system out. But it's basically a contract. If you take the benefit, you owe the disadvantage of that membership that allows you to take the benefit. And they had they had a temple to keep track of who was a member and who was not. And then they did the same thing over in Israel or in Judea as it was called at that time, the place that we call Israel today was called Judea then. And uh, you registered at the temple, and then a portion of everything you produced in a given year had to go to the temple. And the temple used it to redistribute wealth to the needy of society. But of course, they controlled how they did that, and it's very clear from the archaeological digs in Judea that at that particular time, the high priests and the priests that ran the temple, which was the welfare system of the nation, run through that system, centralized system at that time, uh, that they lived more opulently than King Herod. And King Herod lived pretty opulently. <laughs> but it was because they they had a huge filled treasury with the contributions of the people. If If, if you produced uh, 100 sheep, uh, they were going to get 20 of them. They didn't have to do any work. They didn't have to feed them. They didn't have to watch them at night. They were going to get 20 of them. They could sell them and put the money in the treasury. Uh, they could hire a shepherd at minimum wage <laughs> and he could produce more sheep and they could put that because they had lands, they had tax-free lands in common. That was the, the Levites had those lands. And so they, the, the priests got richer and richer and richer. And of course, there was a great welfare system. And of course, Rome came along, invited in by 
uh, people like Aristobulus and Hyrcanus, John Hyrcanus. Uh, Aristobulus invited them, but Hyrcanus actually did had taken advantage from them being there because it, the dispute was over who was to be king. But the point is, is by this time, Rome was becoming more and more socialist. They had started 150 years before the birth of Christ. And that's why Polybius was writing that, you know, the people, uh, the masses, he called them, uh, had an appetite for benefits in the habit of receiving them by the rule of force. And, of course, John the Baptist said the same thing. Uh, John the Baptist said, you know, we weren't to be like the governments of the world. We were to repent of that thinking that Polybius was talking about. And we were to start to take care of one another through charity. And, and they said, well, what does that look like? Well, if you have two coats uh, and your neighbor has none, you share your coat. You do the same in meats. You do the same in anything you have. You share it with others. Well, how, how, how do you do that? Well, they didn't ask that question in the Bible because they already knew. Because all these people that were listening to John the Baptist were already organized in synagogues. And synagogues were ten families. That's what a synagogue was, ten families. It wasn't a building, it was ten families. The small, intimate home church that the home church people always talk about. But it wasn't just home churches. It was home churches that picked a minister and that minister, his congregation that he was in was not the congregation he served. The congregation he served was the ten people who picked him. He was the eleventh man. And he had to pick a minister of his own. And he did. And that made twelve men. This is how the Essenes organized. And the Essenes included Levites and included Israelis and, or, or Israelites as we might call them or Judeans. And it, and they gathered in this ten families, picked a minister, the eleventh man. The eleventh man picked a minister and that was twelve men. Now the interesting thing is that eleventh man gathered together with nine other men, like himself, who were ministers of congregations of ten. And the way we knew they were gathered together is they all picked the same minister. So that twelfth man in the one congregation was also the twelfth man in the next congregation. And the next congregation. And the next congregation. And so, but what that did was that twelfth man connected all... 100 families. Plus, so it also connected all 10 families of those ministers who were the 11th man. And so that was 110 families that were connected. And then, of course, there was that 12th minister. He gathered with nine other ministers like himself. And that made 120 families. Holy smokes, there was 120 people in the upper room. When they say people, they're talking heads of families. And you say, well, why? how do you know that? Well, that's the way they talked in those days. Uh, how do we know that? Well, look, they had 5,000 men out there in the countryside before the loaves and fishes. And those 5,000 men, it says, 5,000 men and their families. That's how they counted who was there. They counted them by the family unit. And why is that so surprising? Because Jesus already told you. Family unit was a unit. 
It wasn't two people, a, a husband and a wife. That's not two people. That's a unit. That's a family. That's one thing. And you belong to that family. The wife belonged to the husband, and the husband, in a way, belonged to the wife. And the children belonged to them both. And they spent their life taking care of those children, but they also had to care about their neighbor as much as they cared about themselves. Moses said that. Jesus said that. Abraham even said that. And that's the kingdom of God. Are you seeking to be that? Or are you just going to church to feel good because you get an emotional high when you're with a bunch of people that all say that they're saved? And all talk about Jesus and all talk about being nice and loving one another. But if you need anything, if you need any welfare, if you need any Medicare or Medicaid or Social Security or any of those things, you go to men who exercise authority one over the other. And you get your benefits from them. And they own you. You're back in the bondage of Egypt. You get your free bread from Pharaoh and from Caesar and from Cain and from Lamech and from Nimrod. Because you're back in Babylon. So anyway, brought you up to speed. It may not be where you want to be. You might think I'm attacking your delusion. I'm giving you the facts that you don't want to hear. But you are. You're back. Your churches are in apostasy. They are not the churches established by Jesus Christ. They're not doing what Christ said. They're not telling you what Christ said for you to do. They're just telling you that all you have to do is think a thought and you're saved. There's a lot of people going around. We had a couple of programs on that. People going around. If you fill out these papers, you'll be free. (laughs) If you go and apply for this and you get this and you get that, you'll be free. People love that. You know, you know, I jump to this soup, I jump to this soup, and I jump to this soup, and I'm free. When they're actually jumping from the frying pan into the fire a lot of the time. But they want to believe that it's true. But it's not. You don't, you can't get free because you fill out some papers. You can't get free because of something you do. You're only going to be free if you belong to Christ. And you're only going to be belonging to Christ if you do what he says. He says, not those who say, Lord, Lord. But those who do it the will of the Father. That's, that's who he says. That's his words. Now you can make up things and misinterpret Paul who preached Christ first. Or you can start admitting the truth. If you fear the revelation of facts, which I'm giving you, facts. This is what the early church would not take of the benefits of Caesar. That's why they were persecuted. They would not apply for the benefits of Caesar. They didn't have to because they had a daily administration that took care of all the needy of society. The widows, the orphans, anybody who fell on hard times, got injured, got sick. They took care of them entirely through charity. Unspotted by the constitutional order and systems of governments of the world. That's what they were doing. That was the way to do things. You don't do things that way. You live in your imagination. You think you're doing all the things you do in the name of Jesus, but you're not doing them in the name of Jesus because you're not doing them like Jesus would do them. You're an apostasy. You're the workers of iniquity. That Jesus says, he's not going to have anything to do with. Get ye from me, ye workers of iniquity. He doesn't, he doesn't want to have anything to do with you. He hates your deeds. Because you're the... You're doing the deeds of the Nicolaitans. 
And you're not supposed to be doing that. You're supposed to be doing the ways of rightness, righteousness. And, and so you're headed for deception and destruction, just like that guy that ran out and shot those people. And then shot himself, killed himself. Because he opened the door to the spirit of destruction. He made a covenant with the, the spirit of destruction. That's what he was doing. That's what he's been doing. That's what his fathers did. That's what your fathers did. Probably what you're doing. Now you want to change that. This is the good news. The good news, because we all admit that we're sinners. We've gone over that this morning. You need to admit that. But the good news is that you can be saved if you repent, think differently, and seek the kingdom of God and his righteousness. Which includes loving your neighbor as yourself. It's not enough to not want the benefits of men who exercise authority. It's not enough to want to be free. It's not enough to even want to protect your own children, your daughters, your sons, your granddaughters, your grandsons. You have to want to protect your neighbor's daughters and grandsons and granddaughters as much as you protect your own. There's no way you can do that practically unless you sit down in the tens, hundreds, and thousands, which is why Christ commanded that you do it. And if you're not doing it, you're not doing the commands of Christ. And so he is not your king. And you probably need a president. <laughs> you better pick wisely. I don't know how many choices you get. <laughs> but, uh, you know, people are... And I mentioned it this morning, but I, I heard more people. I just had people here visiting... We're going over a lot of things that they are seeing in different places, in different parts of different places. And, uh, you know, they they hear the thing, you know, that, uh, you know, that uh, Trump is still president and, and that the army is backing him and they're about to make all kinds of arrests and throw all kinds of people in jail. And maybe that's true. They might be. But I'm old enough that I've heard this story before. You know, long before, uh, what, what, what is it, his name, the, you know, the, uh, one everybody hates, uh, uh, it just completely escapes me right now, but, it, <laughs> you know, uh, he, he's, uh, QAnon, that's it, because it's not a name, it's a letter, I should have thought of it. Anyway, QAnon, uh, he, he's got the worst record for predictions. He's always got a reason why his predictions didn't come true. And occasionally they do. But, uh, you know, like a broken clock is right twice a day. Now, I don't know him, and maybe he's sincere, and he's just, he's just wrong about some things. I don't know. I'm not, I'm not judging him. I don't know him. You know, I, I've, I've read some things about him, but this is the same as the White Knight and the Nisera. I've heard all these things before. That somebody else is doing it. They're going to fix everything. You just that They're going to have all these bad guys arrested. They're going to clean up the swamp and we're all going to be saved. No. No. It doesn't work that way. It never has worked that way. It didn't work that way with Moses. You know, Moses came in and was going to set the people free and everybody goes, Yeah, go. Moses is going to set us free. And then it got worse. And then once they got over the sh sticker shock of freedom, <laughs> they... they uh, Started and the plague started coming, and, and then they and he said, "Well, this is going to be the next plague, and this is going to be the next phase of plague." And and the people were preparing, and they were ready. They were ready, and there's going to be plagues now. There's going to be processes now. You can get ready now. 
and like they did. And they started to learn to trust Moses. They didn't understand the kingdom of God yet. They started trusting Moses. And we can go and show all the reasons why they... They weren't just trusting God. They did not know God. But they knew Moses seemed to have this insight. Well, I told you way back when this COVID first started that it wasn't COVID. It wasn't the problem. It wasn't... It, there was no evidence from very early on. I mean, the first few months of this, examining the Diamond Princess early on case, that their numbers weren't adding up. Their predictions weren't adding up. And then you could see them fudging the numbers by saying, well, we're talking cases. And confirmed cases and confirmed deaths. But confirmed cases were people who were sick in the hospital and dying already, most of which had several morbidities, and they died. Well, we never, ever figured the death rate by counting the severe cases and the number of people that were severe cases who died. We've never, ever done that. They always estimated how many people got it but didn't go to the hospital. They could only estimate that because they didn't know who it was. But they interviewed doctors and they interviewed, you know, they have a whole network and they say, well, how many patients came in? Well, we know that likely, and they had all this information, or pretty close, pretty good facsimile of it because of the Diamond Princess. They knew that most of the people who were getting it, they were estimating 50%. Now the estimates are as high as 80% of the people who got the coronavirus and started producing the antibodies never showed any real symptoms and they never even knew they had it. It was only like 20 to 30% of the people who actually developed symptoms. And only like uh, 6% of the people got really sick. And most of them had multiple morbidities already. So the death rate is not the number of cases that end up in the hospital and the deaths. The number of cases has always been the likely number of people infected and ended up dying. Well, that puts the number at about 99 point whatever. Different age groups, it may vary slightly because older people are more susceptible. But this is, it's a crack. And the top uh, microbiologists in the world are saying it's a crack. But you're not hearing them. Because the media, that's not their agenda. They're trying to prove that they were right all along. And there seems to be, and we knew this early on, that there's some sort of other agenda. And we were in, in conference with other ministers all around the country and even all around the world. Uh, we were beginning to detect this. Now, of course, now doctors have come out on YouTube and Rumble. and I mean, lots of doctors, lots of scientists have come out and said something. Of course, they, they risk losing funding. But they've come out and said that this is a crack, that the, there's absolutely no need for a vaccination, and this isn't even a vaccination. This is a biological agent, maybe not even a biological agent. You might actually call it a, a mechanism. It's a biological mechanism that is not going to give you immunity. It does, they're not claiming it's going to give you immunity. Some people say that, but the scientists are not saying that. You're still going to get it. You're still going to have to wear your mask. You're still going to have to social distance. None of those things actually work anyway. And yet people are rushing down to get it because they run towards evil. Because they have been evil for decades, for generations. They have been coveting their neighbor's goods that the agency of government and they have now scales on their eyes. They cannot see the truth. So now I'm presenting you with that fact. 
So, if you fear the revelation of these facts, the truth becomes your enemy. You don't want to hear the truth. I'm not trying to take your security away from you. I'm going to give you the keys to the kingdom of God. And I just did give it to you in a roundabout sort of way. I showed you the back cut. That, But the truth is becoming your enemy and lies lurk about you. Well, in those lies is the spirit of evil. And the spirit of evil ends up occasionally possessing people so they go out and they shoot their neighbors in cold blood. Put the rifle up to her face and shot this wounded woman laying on the ground. Anger just poured through this man. Not virtue. Not love. Anger. It was so overwhelming. The gates of anger were so consuming. All consuming. Devouring his very soul. It said, well now we want you too. Kill yourself. And he could not stop. He had to kill himself. And where is his spirit now? Uh, burning in hell and all that stuff. Well, in a way, yeah. It's gone to that dimension. It's been pulled down in that dimension we call hell. And, you know, is it burning? Well, it depends on his imagination. I don't know. <laughs> I'm sure it's not pleasant. Just as he was not in a pleasant thing when he was killing his neighbors. But this is where it's going. On a mass scale. Of million, this is how holocausts are created. And there have been holocausts in China, Soviet Union, in the uh, democratic socialist Nazi Germany. You know, how many Jews died? I don't know. Some people estimate six million. I've heard people estimate there was only a million. A million is still a holocaust. And it wasn't six million people killed. There's 20 million people estimated dead. 19 to 20 million people. German people, uh, Poles, Czechs, put to death. Not killed in battle. Put to death. You know, one of the statistics that I was just shocked by when I was studying history back some 60 years ago, looking at the death rate. World War I, 3% of the deaths in World War One were civilians. 3% of the people who died during World War One were civilians. That's a lot of people. Because a lot of people died in World War One. World War II? 67% of the people who died were civilians. 67% of the people compared to 3% died. World War Three, Going to be more. A lot more. Because evil wants you afraid, wants you angry, wants you judgmental, wants you selfish, wants you dead. Because those first things listed, that's how you get dead. They kill your soul. They kill your body. So if you fear the revelation of facts, the truth becomes your enemy. And lies will lurk about you. But if you are willing to seek the whole truth and provide for it, then facts are your friend and freedom will be your companion. Because you will walk in forgiveness. You will walk in love. And you will walk in 
the Holy Spirit. And though you walk in the valley of the shadow of death, you will fear no evil. Because the Lord is your shepherd. You're following Him. You're not following Trump. You're not following Biden. You're not following Pelosi. You're not following Cruz. You know, I I love all those people. Uh, It's it's a little easier to love people, (laughs) some of those people, uh, over other of those people. But you have to love your enemy. But love... If you think it's difficult to love your enemy, you probably don't understand love. That's how you learn to understand love, is when you can actually love your enemy. It's not enough. You don't have the love of Christ if you only love those who love you. That's not, that's not enough. As a matter of fact, that opens one of those, that's one of the keys to the kingdom of hell, is to not love your enemy. Not love your neighbor as yourself. That guy who shot those two people, cold blood, walked right up to that woman laying there already full of bullet holes and maybe dying anyway. Put one more bullet with some sort of snide remark at the same time into her face and walked back to his house. He wasn't arrested. He killed himself. And that, you know, Saul fell on his own sword Saul was given power to make choices for other people. If you're electing a government like the United States to make choices for you, you're as evil as the people who elected Saul. And you're turning your back on God. He will not hear your prayers. That's what he says. When you cry out, I will not hear you. Because you wanted to elect Saul rather than me. Christ was trying to show you how the kingdom of God works. It works with you having all the choices the God of nature wanted you to have to begin with. Making those choices. You know, rights are responsibilities. Duties are obligations. You have the right to make a choice. You have a responsibility to make it. And you should not be giving that choice to others. And we show you how this is set up in the in the book Free Church Report, which is free online. You can buy it too, but it's free online. All our books are free online. All the ones that we publish. You can't buy the minister's manual. You don't buy that with money. I give that to people who actually are walking in the ways of Christ. I've loaned it to some people who are not yet, in my mind, they may be walking the ways of Christ. <laughs> but uh, uh, I haven't even made the, the latest printing of it. I've, I've got several copies, but you don't get that. It's not online. You're not going to find it. <laughs> so, anyway, but all the others are there. And you've got a lot to learn. So I put them up there for free. I'm not charging you $30 or $40 to join our website and then I will let you see and, and tell you that you're a VIP and, and, and then you end up going to jail because what you're doing is not what Christ said to do. And, and what they've been telling you to do is not what... I'm telling you what Christ said to do. Sit down in the tens, hundreds, and thousands and start learning what it means to care about your neighbor as much as you care about yourself. Start loving those, even those that don't seem to love you. Start gathering together in the name of Christ. 
In other words, you gather to serve others. Well, you have to have others to serve. You can't just gather by yourself. And you don't just gather for the emotional feeling you can get like a lot of home churches do. The Holy Spirit is not an emotional event. It's not an emotional feeling. The Holy Spirit is real power. It will take the scales off your eyes and you will see again. But the world has been cultivating selfishness. So their hate and covetousness cultivates that selfishness. The, the hate and covetousness and selfishness feed each other. They, that's what they produce is hate. It blinds you so you don't even see how the hate is possessing you. How many people on the left you see that are just so angry and hateful and screaming? And, and uh, I mean, how many people threatened the life of Trump? You didn't hear that on the right side for threatening the life of Obama or even Clinton. Not that it isn't there, because it is there. Because if if the... The conservative side was actually doing what Christ said. The the Democratic side would not be getting the power that it is. The the left side, I don't want to say Democratic side, but that's what ends up being. They they are the party of hate. They're they're preaching hate all the time. Hate the orange guy, you know. If like I said, if orange was a race, <laughs> they'd all be racist. But anyway, the they're. Ushering in the demoralization of the people with uh, their habitual denial of the truth. Their media denies the truth. They don't want to see the truth. You know, like the the pillow guy came out with this thing about the election. And, and I find that fascinating and interesting because he seems to have some facts and information that are certainly worth investigating and, and taking into court and and taking due process and having discovery and all those things. Certainly should do that. Find out who is bearing false witness. But even if you get Trump back in, that is not the solution. It's not going to take you back to 33 AD. It might take you back to 2016. It's not going to take you back to 1916. Certainly not going to take you back to 1911. It's certainly not going to take you back to 1776. It's not going to take you back to a time when all schools were privately funded through charity. Where all hospitals were privately funded through charity. Where all homeless were taken care of by religious people through the process of charity. And they took care of a lot of people. You could, School was free. Back then, to anybody who couldn't afford it, if you could keep, keep up the grades, you could go to Harvard. wouldn't cost you a dime. It's in their charters. But now, you have to take out student loans, and if you do graduate, you're tens of thousands of dollars in debt. You think somehow or other that's a better idea. Idea. It's not. It's a really bad idea. <laughs> so, anyway. So, your enemy... It is evil. But it's also what you need to love that enemy and it drives the evil out of people. That it actually has power over them. 
Proverbs 19. A false witness that speaketh lies, and he that soweth discord amongst the brethren. That's a false witness. That's the 6 o'clock news. Proverbs 14.5. The faithful witness will not lie. I see, I'm not supposed to attack your delusion, but I have to speak the truth. And if speaking the truth seems like I'm attacking you, then you're not in love with the truth and you need to repent and become a person in love with the truth. But a false witness will utter lies. Am I telling you lies? Have I told you any lies? If you do, get all of us. Challenge me. I'm, I'm all for that. I will have the discussion. I might even be able to have you on the program. But you better have done your homework. A true witness delivereth souls, but a deceitful witness speaketh lies. Proverbs 14.25 The modern pastors are telling you lies. They're saying it's okay to pray to the fathers of the earth to get the benefits of men who exercise authority one over the other. It's okay to covet your neighbor's goods. As long as you do it through the agency of government, men who exercise authority one over the other. Christ forbid that. It was not to be that way with you. But they don't tell you that. It's right there in the Gospels. Matthew, Mark, and Luke. He's told you. And the, almost all of the epistles tell you the same thing. Almost all the prophets tell you the same thing. Like I said, you can go to preparingyou.com and, and look up the Bible. And we're doing... You know, if there's some books that we haven't done yet, get a hold of us and we will do those. We're doing as many as we can every every week. But uh, there's a lot to do because there's a lot of bad witnesses out there. The false witness shall not be unpunished. And he that speaketh the lies shall not escape. Most of the pastors, the lies they preach are half-truths. They don't tell you the whole gospel. And see... In order to have the truth, you have to have the whole truth. Proverbs 19.9 A false witness shall not be unpunished. And he that speaketh lies shall perish. That's The first one said not escape. The second one said shall perish. They're repeating that because that's one of those things that happens generation after generation. Every generation, it, con- it confronts that law built into the kingdom of God, built into the universe itself. Proverbs twenty nine twelve: If a ruler hearkeneth to lies, all his servants are wicked. Now, of course, everybody says that Trump's a liar. and Trump was certainly an exaggerator, but he was a New Yorker and he talked like a New Yorker. And he was a salesman, and he talked like a salesman. But uh, lies? <laughs> hey, how can you tell a politician is lying? <laughs> I have to be careful. But I say this, but because his lips are moving. But the reality is, is that everybody in politics is not a politician. That's a, that's a would be a misnomer. Proverbs 38, remove far from me vanity and lies. Give me neither poverty nor riches. Feed me with food convenient for me. You know, that's what he's saying. Don't remove. He's saying he wants to be removed far from vanity. Because see, vanity makes you subject to lies. That's what it does. 
So anyway, the uh, history is the story. I, this is the part I was going to get to, and we're we're halfway through the show, and I haven't got to where we left off last week, <laughs> that la- this morning. But all of history is the story, but not all stories are history. In other words, if you don't know the true history, you aren't going to know the true future. I always say you study the past to know the future, because. We do the same thing. What did Bob Dylan say? God knows when, but we're doing it again. History repeats itself. When mankind chooses to be vain, the truth is its first victim. Vanity keeps you from knowing and understanding the truth. Matthew 13, 13. Therefore speak I to them in parables, because they seen, see not, hearing, they hear not, neither do they understand. Who doesn't understand? Everybody? No. Those who would kill Christ do not understand. They don't figure out the meaning. Some of them might. Uh, But the reality is that, like I said, if the Bible wasn't written in so many parables and so cryptic, they would have burned them all long ago. Because they hate the truth. There's so many people out there who hate the truth. I can't do anything about that. God love them. But I want you and all those that were willing to see the truth to see more truth. How do you do that? You have to repent, turn around, seek the kingdom of God and his righteousness. That means you have to do what Jesus says, sit down the tens, hundreds, and thousands and focus on taking care of one another through faith, hope, and charity and the perfect law of liberty. And if you have a heart for the ministry, we'll show you what Christ required of his ministers. But his ministers were never given the power to rule one over the other. Because the church operates entirely by faith, hope, and charity. Not through force and fear and fealty and violence like the world. But we're supposed to have a daily ministration that takes care of all your social welfare and needs. Cannot do that unless you turn around and go the other way. The way of Christ. John 9.39 And Jesus said, For judgment I am come into the world. You see, when you start doing the right thing, the truth, start aligning yourself with the spirit of truth, start walking with the spirit of truth, those who walk with the spirit of destruction fear you. You, you, But you have to... You have to put your feet in the stirrups. I was just talking, I have a horse. I was on CNN once riding this horse. <laughs> it's, it's in its 20s now. It's pretty old and almost, I never get around to riding it like I should. And, you know, I see it every day, but I don't, uh, I don't ride it much. And, uh, and other people are afraid to ride it because it's, it's Arab, you know. I, I rode its mother and its grandfather and <laughs> its grandmother. <laughs> And it's great-grandmother. But uh, it's a little spunky. And when you get on it, it's got a very active mind. And you have to be in control of its mind. I always say that when I, when you get into the saddle, you have to be in the saddle. You have to be aware. And you, you have to keep your guard up all the time. Be aware that you're in that saddle. It's a great opportunity for meditation. Because the horse is aware of you. It's not like getting on a motorcycle or a four-wheeler. You become a part of a living creature and you have to move together. And and I don't get bucked off. I, I mean, I could. But she's never bucked me off. But evidently there have been more people bucked off her than I can remember. <laughs> then I've seen a lot of people bucked off uh, over the years. But uh, I've seen her rear up. 
you know, like uh, the Lone Ranger. <laughs> and she's kicked up her heels a few times with me, but you it's kind of like I said, like the Avatar guy. You have to be one with it, and then you can control it. And I can still do that. But the reality is, is that uh, uh, there are real spiritual forces that move in the world. And you want the spiritual force of Christ moving in you. And the Holy Spirit is not an emotional feeling. It's an actual power that flows through you. You have no control over it because the Holy Spirit lists it where it will. But how do you get... So there's room in your heart for the Holy Spirit. Well, you have to repent. You have to think it's not okay to covet your neighbor's goods. You have to think it is okay to sit down in the tens, hundreds, and thousands and come together to serve one another as Christ came to serve us. Because that's that's the spirit he came in. If you're not going to the church to serve others, and it is not serving others to give people everything they want. You know, to, to, give, to give money to everybody who's poor. You you have to strengthen the poor, so, but the Holy Spirit will guide you in how to do that, but you have to do it. So, like I said, for judgment I am come into the world, and if you come in the righteousness of God, judgment will come upon them, and the evil that is in the world will be frozen solid in the presence of the Holy Spirit, as long as the Holy Spirit wants to do it. Now the Holy Spirit may test you, so I'm not giving you any guarantees. But if you don't walk the way that Christ said, you will not be free. And you have to walk and listen to that still small voice and it will tell you what to do and you have to make the choice to do it. Even if you're cast out, even if you're cast out by your family. You you have to love the truth more even than your family. It doesn't mean you don't love your family. You know, there's a quote in there about hate, but that's not what the word means. It means you have to love the truth more, righteousness more, and walk in that way of righteousness. And this is an individual journey. It's a difficult journey. So, they which see not might see, and that they which see might be made blind. Jude 1.4 For there are certain men crept in unawares who were before of old ordained to the condemnation ungodly men turning the grace of our God into lasciviousness and say it's okay to take the Corbin of FDR even though the Corbin of FDR makes the word of God to none effect. Corbin was a social security system which caused the sons and daughters to do no more aught for their parents. Because now it was the government job to take care of their parents. And by going that route, following the ways of FDR and LBJ and all these guys, you are denying the only Lord God and our Lord, Jesus Christ. Because you should not be coveting your neighbor's goods. You should not be praying to men who exercise authority one over the other. It is not to be that way with you. And your pastors are not to exercise authority over you. They are to be the servants of a daily ministration that takes care of all the needy of your society through faith, hope, and charity. You know, Howard Zinn wrote a lot in history. And he's not alone, but I I just have a page on Howard Zinn that links on this article. You can find the article I'm looking at at preparingyou.com. You look up the words cloward. C-L-O-W-A-R-D in the uh, 
Uh, there's the search engine there up in the right. Or Piven, P-I-V-E-N. And you look for Cloward and Piven Strategy. And uh, you'll find the article I'm, I'm looking at for following the notes. But Zen wanted us to think that all of history is a class struggle, class warfare of impoverished farmers and peasants and uh, feminists and laborers and resistors and of slavery, etc. And uh, they're all warring against their oppressors and opportunists. Social, he advocates socialism. Socialism, what does it say? In capitalism, man exploits man. That's, that's the old saying. In socialism, the process is reverse. Well, of course, if you reverse the process, man exploits man. And in capitalism, man can exploit man. But in capitalism, man can also be charitable. In capitalism, charity is a choice. Exploitation is a choice. And the choice is what makes us men. Now, if a man makes a bad choice, you gather together with the men who are making the good choice. And the men who are making a good choice are sitting down in the tens, hundreds, and thousands and trying to take care of one another through faith, hope, and charity. And socialism, evil is incorporated into the structure because it's based on coveting your neighbor's goods. You know that if you do really good, somebody's going to force you to contribute. In Christianity, if you do really good, you're allowed to choose to to contribute. And you're allowed to contribute to those who do the best with what you contribute. You get to choose who to contribute to and how much and when and how often. Because choice is liberty. But now, it's also the exercise of that pious duty. To God and your fellow man. And the practice of pure religion. If you don't practice pure religion. You're still outside. The box of Jesus Christ. And that's what people need to know. It's not enough not to want to be a slave. If you want to be free. You have to want to be a servant. You get to choose how to serve. But that's what you have to come. Like Christ. To serve. But the real struggle of mankind. Is this endless quest. To find the truth. And the willingness to accept it at all costs. And see, to see the truth costs us the lies that we have accepted as true. Anyone who knows history and the strategies, strategies of the communists and, and those types of government, the strategy of Nimrod over, uh, of getting power over nations, which has led to the deaths and oppression of millions upon millions of people, they can predict where America is going. And, you know, like the articles that we link to in the top part of this article, Yuri's articles in, in cloud, uh, crowd uh, psychology is another article that we have. They're all seeing the same thing. They're all saying the same thing. They're all going the same way. The real crisis in America today is not the corona flu virus nor the shutdowns. But our individual and collective reaction and responses to them. Well, now we have new things coming up. The vaccine. And the crash of the economy. And runaway inflation. And food shortages. I mean, they've done everything they could to create food shortages. There's still food in the pipeline. But there's less than there used to be. We have a few crop failures. And you're going to really see 
food shortages. Now, if you just run out and stock up for yourself now and don't sit down in the tens, hundreds, and thousands, you're doomed. So don't do that. Stop following the pernicious ways of selfishness and self-righteousness and vanity and start walking in the ways of Christ humbly. Uh, if you continue in the ways of vanity, it bars all hope for you. All hope of redemption. What is redemption? And, and let's see, do we have enough time to cover that? Yeah, we probably do. You know, I have an article that links there on redemption. And, uh, you know, blessed be the Lord God of Israel, for he hath visited and redeemed his people. Well, his people, but are you his people? Are you doing what he says? Are, do you actually believe in what he said? Are you coming in his name? Are you gathering together to love one another in faith, hope, and charity? Or are you just gathering together to get an emotional feeling of self-righteousness? Jesus was the highest son of David and the redeemer of the nation of Israel. He came to set the captive free and those who would repent and seek the kingdom of God and his righteousness. That's who he was setting free. He's not setting free those who just say, Lord, Lord, but those who doeth the will of the Father. These people were doers of the word. Corbin was making the word of God to none effect. Corbin was the social security system of Judea. And they had Corbin in the temple at Jerusalem, but they also had Corbin at the temple of Roma. Both built by Herod. Both providing benefits. If you registered... But you would have to pay in. And they would pace off your fields and they would look at your, you know, what you brought in for fish and they would look at, you know, your books and you would have to give your share. And if they thought you were cheating, they would try you and force you to give what your share was or cast you out. Well, Christ was king and now they were giving to Christ and they were giving to the ministers of Christ and it was not being filtered through the treasury. Actually, the word Corbin is even translated treasury in the same Bible one place but the money wasn't going to there so they had to kill Christ they had to make him not the leader they had to impeach the Lord but they did it on a cross (laughs) that's serious impeachment but he came back and all those people who got the baptism of Christ were cast out of that system. Now, of course, now they had to set up that daily ministration right away and start taking care of the needy of their society. But if Trump comes back, is he going to do that? Is he going to return every man to his family and every man to his possession? Well, I don't think he will. He's not... I just don't see it yet. I don't see him talking about that. He's not Christ. You know, he, he may be better than some people, and I don't want to pick on him. I don't want to say anything bad about him at all. I actually feel bad the way everybody picked on him and his wife and his son. I'm mean, like, what is that? I mean, it's just like rabid dogs. But Christ already has a kingdom. It's a different kind of kingdom, and I could fill in all kinds of blanks on that, but we just don't have the time. But these people that were deemed, redeemed, were following a different way than the people of the world today. And, you know, there's a definition for redemption. And uh, most people are unaware of that definition of redemption. 
But uh, I was looking for it here on the page, and actually I don't see it. I'm going to have to go back to that page after the show and make sure it jumps out at you. <laughs> but, uh, oh, no, I talk about UCC Redemption versus JC Redemption. That's another one of those uh, guru things that they think UCC codes are going to save you. Nope. Nope. <laughs> Not going to work. Actually, I have quite a bit down here. I forgot all about writing it. Redemption is the deliverance from the power of an alien dominion and the enjoyment of the resulting freedom. It involves the idea of restoration to one who possesses a more fundamental right of interest. The best example of redemption in the Old Testament was the deliverance of the children of Israel from bondage from the dominion of the alien power of Egypt. Well, like I said at the beginning of the show, good place to end is you're back in the bondage of Egypt. You want to be delivered? Christ was showing you the way and gave you the keys to the kingdom. But if you don't want to go that way, don't join us on the network. Don't sit down in the tens, hundreds, and thousands and don't start seeking the kingdom of God and his righteousness. You just keep doing whatever you've been doing because there's not much I can do for you. But if you do, we'll see you there on the network. God bless and may God be with you. You have been listening to The Keys of the Kingdom with Brother Gregory of His Holy Church. For more information on the educational ministry provided by His Holy Church and Brother Gregory, including services, counseling, lectures, books, and other audio materials, please write to His Church at Summer Lake, Box 10, Summer Lake, Oregon, 97640. You can also find us on the web at www.hisholychurch.net.